Hey, podcast listeners, this is Chuck Tuck, your host with Open Mic with Chuck Tuck. Thank you very much for joining me today, and thank you very much for listening to the podcast shows. I really appreciate it. I'd also like to ask for your for your support. If you go to my anchor.fm slash Chuck Tuck, they are my, if you want to call it a provider that helps me along with my podcast, you're going to see three little tabs, listen on Spotify, the middle one says support, and then messages. You can send me messages if you like, but I, I would like to ask for your support. Drop a dime in the bucket. Help me keep this thing going. Uh, again, I really appreciate all that you do for me, listening and sharing this and joining me on your favorite podcast channels. All right. So today I have a very special guest. Her name is Rochelle Henry, and she is an award-winning American actress and filmmaker. Now, if you take a look at this girl's list of credentials, if you go to IMDb, you would not believe that she's not even 21. I mean, she is a hustler. She is out there making it happen and creating everything. So check it out and stay tuned and listen to this. You are going to be blown away with all the different things she has to tell us about how she got to where she is, uh, what it takes to become an actress or filmmaker or somebody in the film industry. So without further ado, let's check in with Rochelle. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks for doing this. You know, you, you've got quite the busy schedule. <laughs> I definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I want to get one thing out of the way and get it clear. You are a Washingtonian through and through, right? <laughs> or are you yeah, going to tell I me mean, you're? Um, or you can tell me you're all Hollywood now? Okay, so. I was born and raised in Washington. Um, most of my career was there for large number of years. And I also worked in Portland, Oregon, a lot. Um, and then in 2015, I started working more in LA and I would go back and forth. And then until about a year ago, then I was now mostly in LA. I still go back and forth, but of course with coronavirus, I haven't been there for a year. (laughs) But darn it, so we can't really claim you? (laughs) Well, I mean, I like to call myself that I'm West Coastal because if I work from Washington to Oregon to then um, LA and then also working in San Diego, I guess you could just say that I work on the West Coast a lot. I just mean how to throw in Vancouver, BC. I need like Ryan Reynolds to hire me for Deadpool three, and then I'll be <laughs> and I'll be really West Coastal, having you know a Vancouver film. So, well, you could drag so me right along with that, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Come on, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> so I guess we could just. Uh... We'll just jump right into it. So, Rochelle, give a little bit more history about yourself. Because, um, I mean, it's like I said, you were, you were born in Richland, uh, kind of grew up in Seattle, and you've been doing um, acting and everything, I mean, for a long time, since six years old? Yeah. Yeah, that's all. It's, it's interesting because I've 
I've always been like a performer at heart, always putting on a show for my family. Even when I was a baby, I would crawl up to these mirrors and make faces and react to them. So I always have been a performer at heart. And when I was six years old, I went to a cheerleading camp that, you know, I then found out about a Nickelodeon audition, ended up auditioning, and then um, from there would take, you know, different classes and was in plays and then um, auditioned for some films. And then when I was 10 is kind of when, even though I officially started when I was six, I think when I was 10 is kind of when that solidified being an actor mm-hmm. because that year I had so many different projects going on and it really gave me like the true feeling of being an actor because I was the lead in um, a, a production of the TV show, or not TV show, and I was the lead in a production of the musical Oliver. I played Oliver, and it was a very exciting opportunity. It was my first time getting to do um, stunts in front of a live orchestra, um, huge cast. I do British accent, and also I had to play a boy, so that was that was a huge part of it. Being a you know, <laughs> being a ten year old girl learning how to you know walk and talk more like a boy, um, I actually what was helpful is my tap teacher who is a man taught me. He he would take me. Um, he would show me how to walk, and then he said, "Okay, now you try it. Okay, you need to you know slouch a little more." <laughs> like he would give me corrections. So. That was helpful. And then the same year, I worked on my first big production called All I Want is Christmas. And what was cool about that is because I got to sit right behind Elliot Gould and David Deloise. And it was amazing because I was getting to watch two famous established actors do what they do best and getting to see them do multiple takes after takes, um, them interact with other actors, all of this stuff. Um, and I was just background, so I wasn't a, I wasn't a role in that. But it was amazing getting to see because it was my first time getting to be in that big set environment. Yeah, and it was also inspiring, also because you know there was also a female director, and she also ran her set beautifully. And she even went up because the set, um, the scene I'm in, was set in a theater auditorium area we're watching Christmas play and our director went up on stage and she said, thank you so much to everyone. And she went through all the different departments and thanked everyone. She said, without every person here, we wouldn't, this wouldn't be possible. We wouldn't be making this. And she had so much respect for every person on the set, no matter what their job, if they were catering, if they were extras like I was, you know, like there were so many different roles and she treated everyone like they mattered and that really stuck with me um so I'm really happy I saw that when I was 10 and um and all that so that was a great set and of course Elliot Elliot Gould was such a sweet guy oh wow and then the same year then I also was the lead in a music video it was a music video competition for the musician Moby um he had multiple songs that he was releasing and 
there was a competition for directors to come up with the next music video for him. So we did one based on his song, The Day, I think it's, the album's called Color Future. And what that one was about is about two girls, two homeless girls, and kind of a day in their life, them trying to survive. And I was the older girl. And that was an emotional role. It was great because I was the lead and I was getting to play a very vulnerable character. And it, it just, it was a lot to learn that year, which I really loved. So I think, like, even though I started officially at six, I think age 10 is kind of when, when that, you know. <laughs> it really hit you that, that you wanted to be an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so right. for those who don't know who I'm talking with and having a conversation today, it's Rochelle Henry, and she is a fantastic actress. Um, what I'm, if you go into IMDb, anybody that goes there and takes a look will be blown away with your list of credentials. And then they look and go, well, how old is she? You're not even you're not even 21 yet, almost. And you're, I mean, you look at this and you've got, um, uh, you've been nominated for what, like over 15 awards. You've won seven awards, and you've got the list of movies. Um, you're more than an actress because you produce, um, you direct, you write. I mean, you do it all, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, even though I started in acting, I also about. Four years ago, I directed for the first time, and that was a really great experience. Um, I did this. I did this. I did this. Uh, not competition, but I did this program called the Adobe Pitch Project. And what it was is it. It was a program for um, artists up to the age of nineteen, I think. I was 15 at the time and we would have to go through multiple rounds of pitching a project that had a social cause to it. And so it wasn't only filmmakers, it was also like painters and musicians and um, people doing claymation, all this sort of stuff. And so we would all go through rounds of pitching our concepts, how we were going to make it, uh, who we were going to collaborate with, what we were going to do, all of that. So, I went through multiple rounds of pitching my project and I originally was only going to act and produce, but in the room they said to me, well, if we're going to give you the grant money, Adobe would really like to have you also direct and edit. And I said, yeah, perfect. Sarcastically? And so then, <laughs> <laughs> no, I I just felt like I, I I jumped on it and I was like, yeah, you know, like great because I you know I knew that I eventually did want to direct, but I don't know if I necessarily you know realized that adding that, uh, like first time doing that, adding that would be you know such a big deal, mm-hmm. and so then I immediately you know started getting to work on that. Um, I had some amazing people on my cast and crew. I had so many great mentors. Um, and what was amazing is that I got such 
help from the community. The first day of filming was a huge casting crew. And um, by the end of filming, we had had a drone, three red cameras, um, two rigs, and then location and then studio loca- uh, filming location, which was all just the community wanting to help me make my first short film. Wow. And I still have not, it still is not, I cannot believe that that even happened because most people on their first, you know, time directing, that's not even, that doesn't even happen. Getting one red camera on your project, let alone three. And from people who just wanted to help you get your first time directing experience in, like that's, that's a huge deal. Um, and my film was about animal testing oh. um, because we had to do a film. Of, uh, we had to do a project about a cause and no animals are harmed in the making of the film. <laughs> so don't worry. What we did both artistically and also so that way there wouldn't be any problems with that is that I play basically the role of the dog. I personify what you wouldn't do to a human. You shouldn't do to an animal. So we show humans throughout, and you just think that my character is a homeless girl, and that she gets kidnapped. And but then you realize toward the end that it's actually a bunch of dogs that are being taken and then being tested on. And that was a great experience getting to work on. And I was partnered with two charities because we were supposed to partnered with a nonprofit. I worked with Paws and also an Emerald City Pet Rescue. And they were very helpful. They gave me a lot of insight. And it really helped get the project together and give me those, you know, bits of information and the support that I needed in order to make those. And then it's so funny, a week, I think, after wrapping, a week or two after wrapping missing, I drove down to LA because I was going back and forth at that point. Mm-hmm. My, my family and I drove down to LA and I produced my second, my second short film as a producer. <laughs> it was, it was really, a, it was really, it felt like it was going bam, 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 like going like, you know, from which one I was producing and which one I was producing, but I really loved it. So it was, it was interesting, like, while I was finishing, you know, making this one, I was doing pre-production on it. I actually, even on Missing, I actually was talking to my AD about it. And I wasn't directing the one in LA, but I was talking to my AD, and I was the one putting together the crew. And I was talking to him, and I was like, you want to go down to LA and be our AD? And he's like, yeah. So then it was cool, because the first two projects, I had the same assistant director. You know, like it was really great having it go back to back um, and both projects had really amazing cast and crew, a lot of support. So, And so I think I've been really lucky having, I've been very fortunate to have as great of cast and crew members as I've had Mm -hmm. and the great collaboration and where those projects have taken me. So I'm really, I'm really grateful for all 
how that has happened. Well, yeah, I wanted to ask you because, again, well, first of all, uh, Missing, you played Maddie, right? Yeah. Okay, so that was like in 2016. So um, people go out there and find that. That was your second uh, film that you produced? No, that one is actually, that is the, um, that is the first one that I directed and produced. Okay. Um, I think because of the way that, which one screened first, Grifters came out first, which is why that one's listed on IMDb as my first. It's not. Grifters is the one I shot in LA. Missing is the one about animal testing that came out first, or that was filmed first. It didn't come out until later. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Um, well, so yeah, as far as being grateful, thankful and everything, um, to me, what really blows me away is how, one, how fortunate you've been. And like I said, all the, the projects that you have done. So I really, my question would be is, is what is it about you? <laughs> I mean, that people just gravitate and, you know, really want to work with you is it the passion that you project and the drive that you have um do you think is that something that really helps because sometimes you hear people saying oh i'm going to be an actress or i'm going to be an actor i'm going to go to hollywood and i'm going to make it big but then nothing you smile on your face all the time always doing something (laughs) and it seems to me that you are creating a lot of your projects too or uh, you're you're making things happen rather than waiting um is that a fair assessment of right i think that that i think that that comes from i'm so incredibly grateful to my family i have the most supportive family i mean you meet so many people in the film industry whose families are not supportive or like ah, supportive about it mine have always been just supportive from the very beginning when i said i wanted to do it they immediately helped me, you know, get every class and meet the people that would help, you know, mentor me in that. And they always would, you know, research and help me get information, take me to events. Um, They would go, I went to meetings and conventions about, and summits about producing since I was like, I don't know, like 12, 13. And of course they, I would go with them and they would, you know, um, we'd all like talk afterwards as a family about it, you know? Um, it, so I think that that's something that I've had a lot of support and they are very hardworking and driven. And I think that that's a good family trait <laughs> that I've gotten and, you know, to have that support and also to have learned, you know, a lot about what hard work and passion and, um, and business savvy you know, very grateful for the business and marketing savvy skills. <laughs> so that has, of course, been a huge part of it. Wow. And I think, of course, the fact that I have always been in love with filmmaking, mm-hmm. you know, you go from being a little girl watching Wizard of Oz. And for me, I always watched the behind the scenes bonus footage of Wizard of Oz more than the actual film. Um, because I just was so drawn to it. You go from being this little kid who's just fascinated with how they make the tornado, how they make, how they go from black and white and color. How did, you know, Judy Garland have so much vulnerability in that one scene? You know, you go from all these little things to then like you are acting and then you're starting to direct and produce 
and you are getting to live in that. You're getting to make that magic, make that movie magic that you've always been wanting to make and that's inspired you. And so that's something that I think the sense of passion and the love and wanting to bring up that kind of joy mm-hmm. and excitement and you want, you're wanting to, you really want to make people feel and connect. So trying to get emotions from people, cause not every film is going to be in, do you want people to feel happiness watching, but, but so it's trying to draw emotions from people. So I think that that's part of how that all comes to be. Uh, so you use the word make a few times, several times there. So I'll pick up on that and ask you, in today's time, well, I won't say this today exactly with the coronavirus and all that, but as a person, if somebody wants to be an actor, actress, or be in the film industry, do they need to do what you are doing, and that is making it happen, creating your own thing? Because, again, you've done all these things, but now you also have your, what is it, the lightning hour? You have a talk show where you're, uh, hosting with other people. So um, I, I notice that you really are creating what you want. Uh, is that something that you think that younger people or any people of any age who want to be in this uh, industry need to do is create and make their own? If they, if you can't go to Hollywood, if you can't go to Vancouver, if you can't go to Atlanta, wherever it is, Chicago, to be in a film, do you start making yours and then call yourself a director or producer and just do it? Is that a good way of handling and doing this stuff? Definitely. I think that I actually, one of my acting coaches uses the phrase, don't wait, create. And I think it's really relevant, especially now in the uh, the techie age that we're in. Because now people have so much more access to cameras. Nowadays, if you can't afford to buy a film camera or even a photo camera, you can either rent those or you can learn how to maximize your iPhone or smartphone to the best that you can. And there's things that you can do and it at least gives you the opportunity of trial and error practice. So if you aren't in a place like if you don't live in a state and if you don't have a way of going to one of the bigger film markets, that gives you an opportunity to make what you want to make, to practice. So if eventually you do get to go there, then you have a little bit more knowledge and understanding. And also, nowadays things can go viral. If you make a really, really impactful short film, mm-hmm. who knows? You may... There's been there's been times where films have been seen, they get distribution and then make it. From what I know, I think the German Netflix series Dark actually started as a short film, got attention um, from Netflix. I think I don't know if they went viral or if they were just pitched to Netflix, but either which way, they then picked it up and it became the number one Netflix original series of all time according to Ron Tomatoes and a few other news sources. So it's, it's interesting. Wow. And that was Germany's first Netflix series. Wow. wow. So it's interesting how, it's interesting. I think that people can, no matter where they are, can create something 
and can use their skills. And, and what's great is that there's always so much to learn. Even if you've been doing this for years, I've been doing this for, you know, most of my life and I'm still learning and I'm grateful to keep learning and to be able to still make the content I want to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would imagine there's always more to do. Plenty more. And we always want content, good shows, good talk shows, good movies, and <laughs> new actresses and new actors. So um, I was going to ask you, too, kind of go along with all this stuff. Uh, you mentioned, you know, with the technology, how it's more accessible to everybody. So would you say to somebody that's up and coming saying, you know what, you don't really have to go out and get that red camera to start. You have an iPhone, you have an Android phone, start shooting and learning how to edit and direct and do things like that. Is that, you can really use that as a tool as well, right? Just to start learning. Exactly. And of course, every person has a different path and a different idea of how they want to do things and a different journey because, you know, you hear some people saying like, you need to do this in order to, I, I think nowadays, especially, there isn't only one path. And, of course, every person's life is different. Their journey is different. So I think that if somebody wants to be a filmmaker, they have absolutely, they cannot get to L.A. or they cannot get to any of the bigger film markets. Or even if they can, they don't know where to start and they don't necessarily want to go that orthodox way. Mm-hmm. It's I think it's beautiful for people to be able to, you know, watch a film or read and study up on how to make shots on, they can use their phone. Um, they can learn from different resources and then they can get a little like phone tripod or do handheld, set it up, get the shot, can then toy around with them in editing. And then, and then, you know, can then watch on, you know, their phone and watch, um, you know, they can then see what they just made and then they can go, okay, next time I make a film, I want to shoot it slightly differently. I want to learn how to do this angle a little bit better. So I think that what's great about it is that people now have more tools and more, especially if they do eventually want to, you know, have the bigger equipment and bigger opportunities they nowadays can practice and do trial and error with pretty good technology early on, actually. Mm-hmm. And so many and so many filmmakers are now like, um, which huge director am I thinking of that actually just did a full film with Claire Foy from The Crown on iPhone? I don't know, but I I, remember. Uh, Lady Gaga just didn't she just do one on full on uh, video I with think an iPhone she did. too? Yeah, I think she did. So it really shows that you don't always need to have the big cameras. And for actors, like I've had people from small towns write to me and ask me, so how do I, and of course I would say like if you're wanting to be an actor and you're in a smaller town, if you are within distance, you know, a few hours away from, like let's say you're a few hours away from Seattle. Because I've met people that are, you know, just, you know, they're not next to Seattle. They're a few hours away, but they, um, and Seattle is, Seattle has some opportunities and so does, um, so does Portland. Portland, Oregon has quite a few, you know, TV shows going on. And if they want to, you know, 
if they're committed enough to go and drive for that, for the auditions and also for classes, then that's amazing. So of course, like doing your research, um, reaching out to people that, you know, have more experience and, you know, maybe have a similar path. And, um, but of course, nowadays you have information on the internet. You have, you have everything you need to research. You have your phone book, you have your textbook, you have so many things at just the touch of your computer. You can just go and look. You can actually, what's amazing is so many master classes are now going online. Yes. And that series, master class, you can now like get a subscription and hear people like Helen Mirren talking about their journey as an actor and talking about that process. And directors too, and there's so many different options. Um, right. You know, there's so many different things you can do nowadays and a lot of talented people. I have met so many people that are so talented and have, you know, the natural abilities and they just need like, they just need the knowledge of like, you know, how, how, um, etiquette <laughs> on the etiquette works and, you know, just know like how the industry goes. They just need a little more info. But that natural spark is not something you can teach someone that is just something within them. And you see it and you're like, oh my gosh, that person. You see it in actors, directors, writers, um, cinematographers. If they just had like a little bit of mentorship, if they had just, if they just researched a little bit more, they could be dangerously good. They could be <laughs> the next Spielberg. So of course, I think that anyone has, anyone that wants to be a filmmaker or an actor has good ability. It's just about research, hard work, utilizing the tools. Because nowadays we're not as limited on tools. Mm -hmm. It's evolved even in the last 10 years what kind of tools we have. So there's so many, even the last five years. So there's so many tools out there. So as long as people utilize those tools, the best for them, I think anyone, it doesn't matter if you're from a small town or not, I think you can go out and be an amazing force to be reckoned with in the entertainment industry. <laughs> so all the DPs look out because Rochelle's probably going to be coming up with that stuff too. <laughs> um, so commitment is another big thing. It sounds like, because you're saying, you know what, if you're a few hours outside of a city or um, auditions, you have to be committed to doing this. If you're going to look at it as um, a passion or a career, you, you need to look at the long-term path, right? Rather than saying, oh, I want to be an actor and start dreaming about, oh, I'm going to be in this big movie. I'm going to be in the next Star Wars or Star Trek movie or whatever it is. No, you have to start somewhere where it's realistic and be committed then. And it's a long-term drive. Um, well, maybe for some it's longer, but others, you know, um, Others, right. such and as I yourself, that, that passion and drive, you, you get it going and you make things happen now. So that's awesome. Thank you. I think that also sometimes people think that they, you know, are like too old or they, they don't, that they don't have the right tools or something. Anthony Hopkins, he's brilliant. He's one of the best actors that's ever lived. And so if that, He's, I mean, and he used to be a composer, so he's like a, he's an artist through and through. I think if someone, I think anytime somebody worries, like, I can't do it because of this, or, or I have this going against me, no, it's just 
yes, it'll take a lot of hard work and research and training, but I do think that a sense of belief in yourself and a belief in what you can do, I think that that is part of it, Mm. you know? So I think that that's definitely something that can, you know, push you to getting what you want in your journey. How important is it to have a mentor um, if you're wanting to be in the film industry? Is it is it really important, or can you have a strong will and attitude and go for it yourself? I've seen it both ways. I think, personally, I've had many great mentors. I've had great mentors in acting, multiple of them. I've had great mentors in directing, editing, writing, producing, um, even roles in departments that I don't work in, I still have gotten to be mentored in because I wanted to learn and stay out Like I've even learned how to do special effects makeup. So having, you know, people giving you their time and, and of course, um, set, set experience, you sometimes, some of your mentors, you sometimes just meet on set. And having that experience can really help. And I've been very fortunate to have a lot of that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that mentors, and I know people that haven't had mentors that still succeed. And, um, you know, people that have a strong will. So I think, I personally think that you need to have both. I think that mentors, it, it helps. If you can get a mentor that really wants to help you succeed and is dedicated to teaching you as much as they can and is supportive. I think that I think that that's amazing and I'm very fortunate that I've had that. So I think that should it be either or I think that a healthy mix of <laughs> I think a healthy old mix of both is exactly um and I think each person, of course, each person is different. Yeah. Um, I never believe that there's one way to do it for everyone because that's unrealistic because everyone's so different. Everyone's lives are so different. Their goals are, and their opportunities are different. But I think that, I would think that for most people, a strong mix of both is great. A lot of my films have strong female characters. Mm-hmm. So that is something that can be considered, you know, you know, it could be considered a cause, but I, I just think that that, I think that there needs to be more. So, ever wonder what it really takes to make it big in Hollywood, or for that matter, anywhere? Listen to the subtle hints of what it really takes to be that person. Oh, can you smell what the rock is cooking? The rock. Yep. <laughs> and I could just see him doing just that. So, so weird. So cool. <laughs> oh, but what? He's like uh, the highest paid actor now, I think. Is he? Or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, I mean, yes, not. I think, it's, I, think it's, I think it's amazing how he started completely a different path. Yes. And he, I think something about him is that he's talented in multiple ways. He learns all these different skills 
and like I think he even owns you know multiple different brands of things and he's definitely an entrepreneur he definitely has a business mindset but he also is a good person which I think is important like even if you are a business person if you're not a nice person that really people don't want to work with you and then you're not somebody who it it really matters being a good person and caring for others which I think is something about like the rock that has made him successful is that you watch his interviews you hear people's stories about him and he's genuinely nice every time people meet him. I haven't gotten to meet him, but he's on my, you know, I would love to meet him because he has such a positive attitude. And I think that that's something that people need to know is a huge part of being successful is if you're genuinely nice and if you give back to others, that really gives people respect for you because wow. you deserve that. Well, I definitely see um, a parallel um, between you and, uh, Dwayne, The Rock Johnson. Uh, I mean, kind of the things that you've been saying where you have to be more than just likable. You have to be a good person. Um, and not, right. Yeah, and, and he truly seems like one of those guys or one of those actors or people that uh, may not be reachable, but you say, wow, I wonder if he's really like that. And in fact, I, I sent out a tweet the other night um, about Heidi Klum going, is she really as nice as what she seems to be? Because she seems like she's always laughing and joking and friendly. But who knows? So Right. And there are some celebrities, too, I've gotten to meet who are extremely nice. And you see, like, their humility and their compassion. Like, I got to meet Rami Malek at one of the earliest screenings for Bohemian Rhapsody. I was lucky because I got to go um, to a SAG after screening and they also had a lot of press. And um, I think they had some early, um, maybe Oscar voters there. Uh-huh. I was lucky enough to be able to sit in the front row. And what's great is it was showing in his hometown. He grew up in Sherman Oaks, California, and it was screening there. And what's amazing is he went there, he had his mom and um, a lot of friends and family and some cast of not only Bohemian Rhapsody, but of Mr. Robot went. And he was just so kind and gracious to everyone. He was holding his mom's hand. Um, my grandparents were out in the um, in the lobby while I was in there watching films. And they saw him when he was walking in, he was holding his mom's hand and they were stopping and looking at all the posters and he was just in awe by seeing this huge poster of Bohemian Rhapsody. Wow. Um, and they, he was just kind and he took time to talk to people and not about, you know, not about himself. Just, um, and what was great is I, when I got to meet him, I told him how amazing the film was and how much his performance meant to me. And he got teary talking about it. And then I saw him when he was leaving because uh, they were trying to rush him out. You know, this big celebrity does me a big crowd. And they were trying to rush him out. Um, he stopped and waited for other, you know, friends and family. Um, and he went over and he talked to these. There was these two guys who were in wheelchairs and they were waiting against the wall. I think they were waiting for someone in a different film. Or, and they 
talk to him and they go, you're the guy from, you're the guy in Bohemian Rhapsody. And he goes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he, he didn't make it. He, he spent time and he asked them how they were doing and, and what films they were wanting to see. And, you know, he was just taking time to, to talk to them about themselves. He, even though they brought up that he is playing Freddie Mercury, he wasn't, he wasn't like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm the actor who will eventually win an Oscar playing Freddie Mercury, the rock star. <laughs> you know, um, he, just, he was just such a kind, humble guy. And his victory was trying to rush him out. And he was, he was just really wanting to take time to talk to people. And they eventually, you know, of course, the security was like, you need to go. He goes, oh, I'm so sorry, I need to go. Thank you so much. I hope you have an amazing day. And you could tell he genuinely meant everything he said. Wow. So it's amazing when you can see A-listers being so kind and so gracious. Gosh, yeah. Um, okay, so I want to do a, a, a quick um, a quick round of some questions, and then we'll uh, get back mm-hmm. into and talk a little bit about Martingale and Night's End, uh, some projects that um, are finishing up, and then also what in uh, pre-production as well, right? So Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say this. This segment right now you're going into is very similar to something we do on my talk show, The Lightning Hour. Oh. The little section we do that's fast questions is called The Lightning Round. So, Yeah, and in <laughs> fact, we're going to see what you say because you kind of alluded to uh, what I would pick as an answer. So here we go. Okay. Um, actor that you would like to meet. Who? <laughs> um... Careful. And then I will ask you to about meet. actress, too. So we're going to keep those two separate. So you have two chances. Okay. Okay. Right now, I would really love to meet Keanu Reeves. Oh, interesting. I Uh-oh. He's another person that is just so kind and compassionate. And he has gotten to work on a variety of projects. And... If you see the videos of him behind the scenes working on John Wick, that requires so much strength and stamina to be able to do those fight sequences that he does. Mm-hmm. And I really love in John Wick how he brought in real emotion. Um, and he does this, he's really great about not being overstated. You can feel his pain in those moments and that vulnerability. But his character, he's just, you know, this action just master of you know stunts and he brings that level of emotion it's not overstated it's just really perfect so i think that keanu reeves would be an amazing person to meet wow. so that's the second of i i would just let me ask if i do want to meet like you know aaron paul benedict Cumberbatch, um anthony hopkins uh morgan freeman like that like the list just is is massive because there's so many people i'd love to meet um but that's for that's, That's who I'd like to meet for the for the male actors. Um, you know, uh, right now if I had to pick um, as a very second, oh look, it's Bill and Ted three. It's Bill and yeah, yeah Bill and Ted's face music just came out. I haven't gotten to see it yet, but you know, <laughs> he he's in so many things and he's just he seems like an amazing person. I agree with you, and you know what? You're absolutely right. This this uh, round of the quick questions is really just right now. It doesn't mean it's a forever thing and it's going to hold on with you to the rest of your life. And if you say somebody else later, 
will come back and haunt you and say, you didn't say that. You said Keanu Reeves. <laughs> no. So um, I will agree with you on that one. I would not mind meeting him either just because of the fact that he just seems too nice, um, too genuine, right. um, definitely caring. And then his business sense, I mean, I mean, you start a motorcycle company and you're, you're trying to sell these really yeah. expensive motorcycles. It's like, that's not for everybody, but he loves it. So he's going to do it. So, yeah. And he's privately funded multiple children's hospitals. And he gives back to others without wanting any praise. He does it privately because he doesn't, you know, he's not looking for attention. Yeah. With it. He's just trying to help others. So I think that that is something that's so admirable about him is that he really does want to help others. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love that he doesn't do it for, you know, he doesn't do it for a photo op. He does it because he cares. Yeah. And I also had read that, uh, uh, I don't know which production it was, but he gave everyone uh, like a substantial bonus. Um, and then right. he's uh, for, foregone some of his salary to help pay for like another department to be able to do stuff. So yeah, genuine great guy. Um, so actress, who would you want to meet as an actress? Right now that'd be Laura Lenny. I love her. Well, that was I, really easy um, for you to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a huge Meryl Streep, Viola Davis, Evan Rachel Wood. There's so many that I would reach with this soon. It's really hard, like, trying to narrow it down. But if, like, I had to pick one to meet right now. Also, oh, Julia Garner from Ozark is also great. But Laura Linney right now because Ozark, and I recently watched her in one of her older films. Um, that one was called um, You Can Count on Me. And I hadn't seen it before. But I, of course, like, the one scene on the bench toward the end of the film, I've seen so many times in acting classes. That's, like, one of the scenes that they always give people in their 20s and 30s to perform. So, of course, I had seen that scene so many times. But then actually watching the film and knowing that that's the scene coming up and to see her and Mark Ruffalo just do a master class in just stunning acting, so vulnerable and real. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, there's a reason why she's, you know, she's Dave or Lenny because she's so talented. So I love everything Laura Lenny does. And she's somebody that I would definitely love to meet. She's so powerful in season three of Ozark too. She, she, she just, and that, there's a whole storyline with her and her brother that's in season three and oh it's so heartbreaking and so beautiful and and the guy she's acting with playing her brother he is so talented too so you know there's just there's such gorgeous work that she does well i am definitely going to have to check out more of the stuff that she has done that is for sure because one of my favorite stories is yeah, one of my favorite stories about like her and her work is for um, <laughs> for uh, Love Actually, they wrote in the script a Laura Linney type. Really? And they were trying to find an actress. Really? They were trying to find somebody. They didn't think that they could afford Laura Linney. They didn't even try. They were just, because she was working on so many things and she was so famous, they 
they didn't think she, that she was signed on. And so they started auditioning actresses to play a Laura Lenny type. They did not find anyone that fit it. So finally they were like, okay, let's reach out to Laura Lenny and see if she'll do it. Oh and she did. <laughs> and now you can't imagine the film without her. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is, I mean, that, that's gotta be flattering for her. Uh, that is so right. cool. Um, Okay, so we'll continue with um, your favorite movie. So I'm going to break it down to movie, and then we're going to have a television series or television show, which will include all your um, television series on, like, Amazon and uh, Netflix. Right. And all that. So movie, big screen Ooh, movie. movie. Yep. You know, I don't really have a, like, favorite, favorite of all time, favorite mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. It kind of, like, ebbs and flows with whatever um, with whatever I'm watching at the time. Sure. Um, and, of course, like, um, and whatever is, like, you know, feeling moving towards to me at that time. Um, but, wow, there's so many amazing films. Oh, yeah. Yep. I would think that right now if I had to, like, narrow it down you know there's films that are like watchable that you would you, you would rewatch a million times because they you know you love them and they make you feel good they're not necessarily like yeah not the you know, best like or favorite yeah. but they're you know they're beautiful and they're they're fun um I think the film I've watched more than any other film <laughs> is Clue Really? That is the film I've seen more than any other film. Because uh, before I ever, um, you know, got a gym membership, and now, you know, pandemic, don't have that. Now I have to go run outside, you know, on this bike path that I live by. Um, but I used to have a treadmill, and I had a TV in front of it. And I would just, instead of listening to music, I would put on Clue. And I would watch every single actor. Like, I would focus on a certain actor that day. So some days... I'd be watching only Madeline Kahn and seeing her reactions to everyone. And I was able to memorize the full film. Like I knew who was going to turn their head at what second to look at who before the next person then drops this and looks at that. You know, like I had it so memorized. Wow. Now I feel ashamed that I don't have it that memorized. I can like, because it's been a few years, I can quote it mostly like 90% accurately. But it used to be 100% plus knowing who was going to turn at what second. <laughs> oh, gosh. I used it. I, I've used it for comedic timing, like in classes and in films. If I needed to have comedic timing, I would sometimes just channel Tim Curry for this line because Tim Curry knows how to, you know, say this line so cleverly in Clue. So I'm going to take inspiration from that, you know. So it was, so I would say, I have so many drama films I love too, but I would say if I had to pick one that I've seen or, you know, a comedy that's so beautifully done that I've seen so many times, mm-hmm. it would have to be Clue. And that blows me away, but there are a lot of good actors and actresses in that film. And um, yeah. so now there's another thing I have to go and rewatch because you brought it up and I'm going, oh yeah, because that was, <laughs> that was from the 80s. Uh, gosh. Um, I think that one was in 85, I think, I think, man. I'm trying to remember, 
it's it's a here I'll actually Google that. That clue came out. Yes, it was eighty five. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Good memory. <laughs> okay, so we're almost done with this uh, round of the quick questions. Not so quick though, are they? <laughs> um, favorite song? Oh, and I didn't even go into. Sorry, Ooh. I skipped. I skipped one. Rewind, rewind. We forgot to go into the fa- favorite television show. So some kind of either a, just right. a TV show or a TV series that it encompasses your Amazons and your uh, Netflix stuff and Hulu. Anything. Okay, favorite TV series right now? Right now. That would be Dark uh-huh. on Netflix. Okay. Now that one, that one's an amazing series because Germany pitched it you know, like to the U.S. and everything. It Like as a version of Stranger Things, it's not. It's actually a lot darker and deeper and it's more about time travel than it is about monsters. So, but it's so cleverly written, the acting in it is superb, and the shots are stunning. I don't know how the writers keep track of everything that they do, because they jump between so many different timelines and alternate universes and all of this stuff, and they have a lot of deep, like, philosophies, you know, they talk about, like, how, like, time works and all this, and you're like, Wow. I do not understand part of this. <laughs> it's so good. Um, and everything they do with that is beautiful. I actually got started watching the series, and I know for a fact I would be a fan even if I didn't have a personal connection to it. But how I got even, how I first started watching it, because a lot of people didn't watch the series the first, a lot of Americans didn't know about it early on when it first came out because, of course, it's a, you know, English dub series if you're watching it in the U.S. Um, and people don't necessarily go toward the foreign projects as much. Mm-hmm. But my boyfriend actually does the English dubbing for one of the characters. My name is Nielsen. So, um, so if you put on the English dubbing, Christian Hutcherson voices Magnus Nielsen. And so I had, of course, I knew about it before it was released because he had talked to me about it. And so then when it came out, I was blown away. And what's amazing about it is that Dark came out the end of 2017, but like it came out in December of 2017 because I remember it was around my birthday that it was released. And then it immediately went to number one series of 2017 on the charts, got so many rave reviews. It had only been out less than like two weeks before it was crowned best series of 2017. Oh my god! So it was, it's yeah. So it's it's incredible. They only did three seasons, even though Netflix was going to renew it more. The writer director said that he didn't want to ruin it by extending it too long. So, and even though even though I'm sad because of course I would love to see more, I think that it, I think that it's great that he didn't want to take it too far. And of course, other series I love, like Ozark. I just finished watching Yellowstone with Kevin Costner. Oh my gosh, that was so good. I love Hunters with Al Pacino. Um, I've always been a big Breaking Bad fan. I love Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman. There's just... And I also watched The Alienist recently, too. Um, so there's, there's a variety of great 
shows and currently I'm not watching a narrative show, but I'm watching world of dance and having a dancer background because <laughs> I started dancing before I ever started acting. I oh. love seeing quality, beautiful dancing because dancing still is a big part of my heart. So right now I'm watching <laughs> Jennifer Lopez, Derek Huff and Neo. <laughs> Oh, wow. You know, speaking of so many good shows, um, that is the hard part. Netflix, um, Hulu, Amazon, all the, the Amazon Prime, they're producing such good shows. And there's so many of them. I cannot keep up. Um, like The Crown. I remember when that came out. And I think, if I'm remembering right, it's either the most expensive TV show ever made or it's like the second. It's in like the top five. It might be the most expensive TV show ever made. And that's for a streaming platform. That's not even for pre-network or cable on your TV. That's that's a streaming platform series. And it's so good. Um, Game of Thrones, of course. Oh my gosh. The acting, the production value and um, the stunts and all the wild achievements that they did there's just there's a there's a huge variety of amazing series and i've never only been like a one kind genre person um or like has to be like this style um i i love a variety of things Mm -hmm. it's only like if i it's only like if it doesn't like really connect with me or if some of the pieces don't sit well if i don't feel like the acting is really strong do i not like it i generally will give it a chance um because you know, there can be just some amazing work out there, even if it's not necessarily in your quote-unquote genre, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, for me, currently, what I'm watching uh, for series like that is Nightfall. Um, not I N-I, but K-N-I-G-H-T, uh, Nightfall. So it's about the uh, oh. Knights Templar and the Crusades and stuff like that. So I think it's Ooh. in the, it's actually in, maybe it's in the second season, but I just started watching it and it's on Netflix. So, and Ooh, that it's good. good. Yeah. And again, there's just so many, the, the acting is really good. The filming, everything, um, probably like you, when I watch a movie nowadays or even a TV show, I, I inadvertently, I look or I notice continuity error on things. Uh, you probably see the same thing on certain shows. You're like, right. wait a second. <laughs> There's a broken right. window there, but now it's not broken. Um, or or if the series has been on for a long time, this character died. How did they bring them back? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. <sighs> or or they use that actor a few times in different roles. Like I know for like soap operas, like they've had it where like, you know, uh, an actor will have played like one role. They'll come back ten years later on the same series, and they'll play a different character. Like, oh, they were playing blah blah blah's sister of one moment, and now they're playing blah blah blah's wife. You know, you <laughs> 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 Like, I think with soap operas, that can sometimes happen, which I love. It, it adds a level of fun to that. <laughs> yeah, um, that's you know, honestly, soap operas. One thing I've never gotten into, and I don't know if it's because. I just didn't want to because I associated with old people and mom staying at home. <laughs> so he just never got into it. It's like, nope, won't do it. Won't do it. <laughs> so, uh, Right. Actually, I don't know if you have watched my series, The Lightning Hour, yet or not. Um, but if, uh, on Friday, I released an episode with actor Chris Connell. 
And he was on two soap operas. He was on All My Children and on Devious Maids. And both of them have uh, Susan Lucci. Um, so we got to work with her twice and we talked about that. Um, oh. So that was cool getting to have that. And our second episode, um, actually, he's my, my mentor, John Jacobson. He talks about consulting on telenovelas in Mexico. So, like, there's multiple. We have a few soap opera stories on there, which is a lot of fun. We have a great variety of musicians and directors and actors and just all-around talented people. And I know that my co-host, Rico Anderson, he's been on soap operas. And also, he's been on so many different works with um, works with Star Trek. Oh. And right now he's currently working on SWAT. So um, my and my co-hosts all have amazing backgrounds. Like Sasha Kerbel, she's gotten to she's not only an actress, she also got to be a radio host. She's from Russia, so she was a radio host for their big stations, and also she got to be an MTV host over in Russia. Um, wow. So they both have great experience. Love them both. They have some amazing experience, and uh, I'm just going to do a really quick plug on some of the episodes yeah. we have coming out soon. This next Friday, we have actress Gloria Garayua, who has been in many projects. She's also been one of my acting coaches, but she's in the Netflix series Reckoning. She is one of the leads. Check it out. It is so good. She actually is the only person on that show that has a title card that is just her name. Like she doesn't share a credit with anyone on there. And it's so cool when I was watching it, but two, it's the, like the two main guys have something shared. And then she has her own, you know, title card. And you're like, Oh my gosh, Gloria has her own. <laughs> and, uh, they got to film that in Australia, but it's, uh, it's set in Northern California, but shot in Australia. And she talks about why. And she's also been, if you've seen the film Fun with Dick and Jane, mm-hmm. she is the maid that gets paid in appliances. So that might be someplace to recognize her from. She's also been on Grey's Anatomy and um, How to Get Away with Murder and so many roles. And then we have a few other shows coming up soon. We have also started getting some people that I've admired for so many years and who I love. Like we, for season two, one of our guests is Dot Marie Jones. She's a three-time primetime Emmy nominee from Glee. Wow. And she is such a sweetheart. And she's just, oh, it was so amazing because I wrote to her because she and I followed each other on Instagram because we met at an event. And um, we would talk occasionally. And I was going to reach out to her, and she tagged me in a post. So I felt like, okay, now is the perfect time to ask her. It's a sign that I ask her. And so I, I wrote to her and I was like, hey, Dot, would you consider being on this? She wrote, beep, yeah, baby girl, anything for you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Stop, Marie Jones said yes. She's such a sweetheart. She's one of the nicest people you ever meet. And she's inspired so many people with her role on Glee. And she's been on so many projects besides that. And she talks about her journey of going from being this world-class athlete to becoming an actress. And... She talks about, you know, like how she's, she's tall. She's six foot three. Um, she's six four. And she talks about how her mama always told her, you know, don't look down, don't slap, stand up straight. You know, that's your power, you know. 
um, you know, just own it. She's just such an inspiring, sweet person. So I'm so excited for when her interview comes out. Wow. Dr. Jones, I love you. And also we've had, um, so cool. We've had some amazing musicians in season one, this episode's out. We have Grammy winner, Paul Anthony mm-hmm. from full force and the film house party. Um, it's, it's actually the, the 30th anniversary of House Party this year. So everyone go out and watch House Party again. Um, and of course, it was great getting to play an exclusive remix of one of Paul's and Full Force's songs. And he's such a sweet and inspiring guy. He's actually a cancer survivor. And we got to talk about how he talk about how he has helped others and so the, the remix of the song that we do is a is a tribute to kobe um that remix is oh. one that he did um because kobe bryant was one of his friends and another musician that's coming out in season two this one made me fangirl a little bit because i'm a huge fan of both the bands he's been a part of um Sheldon reynolds of the commodores and to make things better earth wind and fire oh. I have been a huge Earth, Wind & Fire fan since I was a baby. Um, little girl, I've seen, I've seen Earth, Wind & Fire perform with, with the band Chicago three times. Oh so <laughs> You got an old so, soul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do. So it, it was amazing getting to have someone from a band and that has been such... One of those bands that will never die. Like you yeah. listen to their music, it's played in every single film. It seems like they're it's played in every film, every commercial, every show. There's an Earth Wind and Fire song playing because it's just that good, amazingly made, and um, like you'll hear it in like September is in every back to school ad because what is a better song? Yeah, in September for that. So that one, I'm so excited for when that'll be released. We've and something that we do on the Lightning Hour, something that makes us special is we don't only just interview entertainment professionals. We also greatly value their stories of giving back to others. They all have causes that they care about mm-hmm. and inspirational stories. They they want to help others. One of our episodes that's really touching is episode four with Pam Block. She was one of my earliest dance teachers, tap, tap, tap and dance specifically. Um, and she, um, she's in New York now. And she, a few years ago, started this, this program called Happy Gonda. And what they do in Tap Uganda is they they teach uh, children and teens in Uganda tap dance. And it's an arts program that gives them tools for success um, through that. And what's amazing is that um, she's helped gather up um, tap shoes and donations for tap shoes because in Uganda they don't have tap shoes. Um, so she brings them over and she has tons of them. I think she now said she has like a huge, like just back, you know, thing of just so many tap trees because so many people have donated 
or have sent in money for them. Um, they're now a official 501c3 nonprofit organization. And I have to tell you this. I, I mentioned this a little bit ago about having a dance background mm-hmm. and having a great love for dance. The students she teaches are mind-blowingly good. And they have such a passion, so much love for what they're doing. And what's what's great about it is that, and what she was talking about, is that a lot of tap dance, tap dance's roots are from Africa. But a lot of the moves, the kids kind of know already because of their traditional dances, their cultural background. And so they're really good. They love tap dance. You can tell every single video that she's ever posted of them dancing. You can tell how much they love it. And we find out that some of the routines that she's videotaped, they only learned it like 10 minutes or an hour ago, like really quickly ago. And they're that precise and that clean with their moves and that they have that much energy and, and liveliness with it. You're like, wow. Okay, these, these kids are forces to be reckoned with. And I really hope that I can take a master class, not only with her and like study with them, but I want one of them to also teach me. <laughs> like, cause they're, they're actually, what's cool about it is Kathy Gonda not only teaches tap, they also are teaching some of their tap students how to teach. There's a whole, so that way they can then, you know, whatever they do with their lives, wherever they go, they can then teach others. And they can go around their country and around Africa and can help teach the art of tap dance. And so I think it's so beautiful. So I think that that's a great, we don't always think about how much like the art can influence and change people's lives and, um, and give opportunities. And some of her students have been able to, you know, go and teach and, um, train in other areas. And so I think that it's a beautiful, and I think it's also a great way for people to learn skills within themselves and build confidence and all of that. So I think that that's a, I think that that's a really amazing cause. And I, I have donated tattoos to them. Um, and, I encourage everyone to look into Tap Uganda and also to episode four of the lightning hour. We've had so many, cause I, cause I really appreciate people, you know, using their art and using their lives to give back to others. That's something that's always been something I've valued and respected in people. Well, you know, that's the thing that's nice about your show, the lightning hour. Um, and we'll make sure that we tell people where they can go and, and really see that. Uh, with your show, it's nice, as you said, that um, you open the doors and you open the eyes of people who may not know what somebody what somebody does. We may have a, an actor, actress, or just somebody who we who we see and we think, ah, oh, you know, they're a dancer, they're a dance teacher, and that's that's it. But behind the story, you don't know what else they're doing. And like you said, shows such as yours, you you are exposing um, the behind the scenes, so to speak, to everybody to realize, oh, um, this organization or this person is more than just what you see up front. There is something else to that or there is more to learn. Um, And I found that to be amazing with people that I that I've known and I talk to them and it's like I did not realize that you 
um, were involved with NASA. I did not involve know that you had right. a third business. All this kind of stuff is just amazing. So it is actually what you you mentioned like NASA. Actually, Sheldon Reynolds actually um, is also deep into um, studying um, astronomy, and um, he actually works with he actually works with a few organizations, a few different space organizations and has actually written articles um, for, I think, like Space Magazine. He's gotten to present awards and was given awards for his work in um, astrophysics. So he is, that's something I didn't realize until researching him. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, wow, this accomplished musician also is into science. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> I think that that's something really great about the people we've gotten to, to interview is that you learn more about like their beginning, what their interests and inspirations were and still are. They give insights about different things. Um, like, like actually, um, episode three, Christian, my boyfriend, he actually is um, one of our guests. Um, and he talks about the differences between the different kinds of voiceover roles, um, like from doing ADR to doing foreign language dubbing. He's also an on-camera actor, too, and he talks about the differences between those. And he talks about how people can stay working and growing and train even from home right. and without having to go and take classes. So I think that that one's great for any actor. Um, I've had actors that I've known for years and who have been in the industry for years write me after watching that episode and say, wow, I did not know the difference between some of those things and I didn't even think of that that as a possibility to help me grow and to continue learning. So thank you for having that as an episode. So it's amazing that people can watch an episode and can learn and can then go and like further after watching the episode go and research something that they didn't even think about. So let's tell and, the people where the and, lightning hour is yeah. after you finish with um, uh, telling us about Christian, right? Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, actually, what's, what's cool is with each episode, too, like not only are you learning about like their skills and their insight, um, it, they encourage people to give back um, to others. And something I think is great is I haven't heard of some of the organizations. Um, and they also give ideas about how to help with those organizations. Mm. And so you hear about this organization you didn't know anything about. And I think sometimes people don't, I think some of the time like people, some people don't know where to start. They want to help give back to others, but they don't know necessarily where to start, what organization will fit their needs, um, what they, what they want to do. And so then they watch it and they go, oh my gosh that is exactly what I've been wanting to help with, but I didn't know. Like our guest, Sheila Houlihan, she, um, she's from Seattle and she uh, actually started as an opera singer before ever becoming an actress. And now she has a film going to come out. Um, that's a Warner Brothers film written by John Lee Hancock that stars Denzel Washington, Mommy Malik and Jared Leto. But she, um, she actually talks about, I think she mentions three or four organizations. Um, she's a huge mental health and eating disorder advocate, um, helping people recover. And she talks about these multiple organizations, what specifically they do and how people can help. And so 
I think that's beautiful. So if you, you know, and she actually is, um, she actually got accepted into the Harvard extension program, um, where she's focusing on, um, she's going to use her degree to help, you know, give back to others, which I think, um, because, because she's a huge mental health advocate, she's going to, um, I think she's probably getting a degree in, um, yeah, something along those lines. I think that's. A, I think she's doing something that's you know social services and in that way. And she's told me that she's going to use it to go alongside her acting. So when she is trying to help others, and if she's working with an organization, she has a deeper understanding and can know better how to help others. So I think that that's beautiful. I really love that our guests truly care and give back. Um, because, I mean, there's so many talented people out there, but if you don't want to help others, then then you're lacking something. You're lacking a huge part of life because, you know, we're only here for a little short while and we should give back to others. Because even, I think that's even a bigger contribution than whatever film you do is you can help change somebody's lives. And like Keanu Reeves, go back to Keanu Reeves. He can probably say that if he looks back on some of his greatest accomplishments, probably knowing that he's helping helping others and like with his children possible, knowing that a child's life is saved because mm-hmm. of, you know, him getting the medical care. I think he probably thinks that that's more valuable than any, you know, like major million dollar film he's doing. So I think, and that's something even with, Chadwick Boseman's death is yes. you look back on photos of him going to St. Jude and you realize that he was suffering from stage three and four cancer and he was helping others during that time. He was going in and he was trying to make other people feel happy and comfortable and to help them push through and fight even while he was privately battling it himself. Yeah. And you look back at those photos and about his stories with that and you watch the video clips of him talking about giving back to others and wanting to encourage people and, and you think, okay, you know, he, he died with not only an amazing film legacy, he also died just a great human being yeah. and to have contributed so much just as a kind, compassionate, loving human being is, I think is invaluable. Well, I would imagine that, um, you know, some of the projects that you have done, there have been a number of people that you have touched and a number of people who may have said or may not have said, but definitely I would imagine have thought about it, how thankful and grateful they are to you uh, for creating opportunities for them. Um, and, you know, like I said, it's right. it's about giving back and you find your way of giving back and, you know, whether it be providing a job, providing information, providing different avenues for people to um, reach their goals or maybe open their eyes to new possibilities of other goals. Um, so right. it's amazing. I've had that a few times with like Missing. Um, Missing actually won, um, it's won a few awards um, internationally. And I've had people write to me from around the world saying that that film really touched them, inspired them, and that they then, you know, joined, like, animal rescues and things like that. Um, and they studied up on some of it more because of that. 
I recently just did a production, um, a virtual play actually called The Bridge. And The Bridge is actually about suicide awareness. And it was, it's amazing because even though we finished it in July, we had a lot of people immediately respond to us and then people who have gone back and watched it. But our, our writer keeps us updated. Apparently, people have written to, to him and have said, I had a family member in crisis. We walked the bridge and it saved their lives. So knowing that being in a project that's not only, being in projects and making projects that not only help people, but also now being able to say that, you know, I'm in a project that may have given a person another day and another chance at life is, that's something that I, that it's just powerful and makes me emotional to think about because, you know, you don't always think, you know, <laughs> it's it just, it's amazing. And I love being able to make not only in front of the camera and also behind the scenes, um, you know, making films as an actor and a director and a producer and writer, being able to work on other people's projects and my own that have meaning to them, mm-hmm. I think is just, I think it's beautiful and I'm very grateful whenever I'm given the chance to do that. Well, yeah, certainly. I mean, in, in a way... I could look at you as a um, uh, uh, a fairy. You're, cre- you're 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 somebody makes a wish, and then you take it on as the director, as the film creator, and you've just made somebody's wish come true. So, um, right? Yeah, there's a lot of different ways that we affect and touch people's lives, and you know, I don't want to get all political, but uh, so I'll try to stay away from that, but what we say and what we do can affect people. So we should probably all be aware of that. So, and use it to use it for good, good purposes. Exactly. Uh, uh, So I think that that's something that that's amazing with not only the projects I've done in the past, but the ones I'm currently doing, like you can now go and watch, um, if you type into YouTube, lockdown theater, theater spelled T H E A T R E the old British way, mm-hmm. um, then you can watch The Bridge. Um, also, everyone, please go like and subscribe to The Lightning Hour um, because we. that's another way that it's been a great way to give back to others. Um, I really love that that's a part of my job as a content creator, filmmaker, producer is being able to have projects that have so much meaning and so I think that that's something that would be I think that that's something that's that's helpful for everyone to go and see we are in the home stretch so in this last section Rochelle is going to share with us some of the projects that she has done some recent projects and some projects that are coming up She's also going to let us know how we can follow her on the different social media sites. Um, actually, if you guys want to go find anything about the Lightning Hour on um, on Instagram, it is just at the it's, um, at the Lightning Hour. On Twitter, it's uh, I think it's 
I have to go Michelle? a little really quick because that one, <laughs> that one I have to look at really quick just because I, I know, I'm trying to remember if we have the, the in front of it because I remember Twitter was being weird about it. Okay. I think they were, okay, it is at lightning hour underscore for Twitter and Facebook is just at the lightning hour and yeah, and all of our hosts are tagged in posts so you can find me, Rico and Sasha. And of course my my own handles on social media. My actor page on Facebook is at Rochelle Henry Actress. My Instagram is at the Rochelle Henry. My Twitter is Rochelle M Henry. And my website is www.rochellehenry.com. Oh, no, no, RochelleHenry.com. Yep. And if you go there to Rochelle's um, uh, page, you can go down to the bottom and it'll have uh, links for her Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that uh, Vimeo, YouTube, the works. So, yes. Uh, all of that. Yeah. So I want to ask you one final Thing, and then actually a fib one final and then we did not get you to answer yet about your favorite band and stuff so keep that in the back of your mind Ooh. your favorite band but um so well, you have one, that was easy for me oh. <laughs> so but right now you you have something in pre-production right night's end that you are involved with i actually yes it's actually been a few years since i've heard um anything back from that project because the writer right now, I think he is having a lot of health problems. So I oh. haven't actually heard back anything for oh, for about a year or so about okay. Night's End. I, I haven't heard. It's, uh, it's been a while because um, he's sick. But I do have other things okay. in pre-production yeah. right now that I can talk to a little bit easier. Um, so I filmed the film Martin Gale, mm-hmm. and that one's in post-production. I think they have to go and do a few pickup shots, but of course, with the pandemic, you have to wait a little while. Yeah. But that film is going to be epic. It's a crime drama thriller. Um, Kelly Sullivan from The Young and the Restless and from Henry Danger, The Morning Show. She's in so many projects. She plays my mom. She's the lead character in the film. And she's a spectacular actress. And it, the film kind of revolves around an event regarding me. And her character is on this quest for revenge and vengeance and she's she's not your typical mom and she's not your typical action hero um but she's very powerful and i think that's something that will be really cool when it does come out i also have a few things that were either recently released or are coming out soon like my summer is a goth will be coming out soon um, I don't have any dates yet for when it'll come out because, of course, again, pandemic. But yep. <laughs> that one, that one, that one is exciting. A uh, film that just came out on streaming platforms everywhere is Wallflower. That was shot in Seattle, and it's actually about um, a very tragic event that happened in Seattle in 2006. Um, so Wallflower is actually deep in Seattle history, and... I didn't even know about it until I was a part of the project, and I've learned a lot about it since. And that's the film. Actually, Sheila Houlihan, the um, the one guest I was mentioning on the Lightning Hour, she's one of my co-stars on Wallflower. So you can see both of us acting that one. And uh, that one's out on iTunes, 
and is on Amazon Prime and um, Fandango Now, Comcast. There's so many different um, ways to go and stream that one. That was a very important film that I think a lot of people need to see because okay. um, of its message. And also, I have the film um, with Dr. Best, which is also on streaming platforms everywhere. That one was shot in Portland, Oregon. That one is just a fun, buddy film. Um, it's that it's kind of loosely based on the true story of our uh, our writer and also our uh, songwriter. Um, they were um, they were our director, our writer director, and um, the songwriter. They were best friends growing up, and it's kind of loosely based on uh, on uh, their their lives and they're wanting to go to Woodstock and so the film after a point gets, you know, changed, um, the ending does, but kind of based on their, their growing up, their teen experiences. Um, my character, Jill is, um, the the film stars Willow Shields from, um, the Hunger Games trilogy and the Netflix series spinning out and also Meg DeLacy from the Fosters and also DC star girl. Uh, those are the two leads. I play their friend Jill, who <laughs> helps put on a party for them to raise money to go to Woodstock. Um, I provide the pot brownies, and also I do a really <laughs> great Ed Sullivan impression, so it's pretty uh. groovy, baby. <laughs> and so that's, <laughs> so that's those projects, of course, also always coming out each Friday at noon with a new episode of The Lightning Hour. Um, and I also... I'm working on another production with Lockdown Theater, I'm, who I did The Bridge with. I'm now in a project, um, a Western comedy. Um, it's a play, too, but we're splitting it up into five episodes um, because it's action-packed. And cause I think it'll be really groundbreaking in terms of what you can do with Zoom and a live virtual performance. Mm-hmm. So we're doing that in five episodes. That one is called Tough Trip Through Hell. And I play the iconic Calamity Jane. Exciting. Calamity Jane is such a fun character to play. I'm so excited for everyone to meet her. I'm having such a blast. It's a complete three. It's a complete 180 from what I did in the bridge, and I loved Simone in the bridge. But this is such a different character. So it's really fun to play like one type of character recently, and then immediately switch. Like weeks, like two weeks later, we jumped into production, but two weeks later, switch into playing. Martha Jane Canary, a.k.a. Marcy, <laughs> a.k.a. Calamity Jane. So, yeah, so I'm excited for everyone to see that one, too. Gosh, I would love to have you on again just to find out and ask you um, how production, how it's done in this current time of the coronavirus. I mean, I, I know, like, it's as an example with the uh, Blacklist, uh, I think on the final episode, the final uh, season finale, they were only partially done, so they had to pick up stuff from the floor, you know, the cut stuff from other yeah. episodes and put it together and then uh, mix it with some animated stuff. So it's just interesting. But wow. I can say that I I am waiting to watch My Summer as a Goth. I watched the uh, the trailer on that uh, actually like two weeks ago. So uh, I'm looking right? forward to that one. That one's a fun one. Yes. That yes. one's fun. That one was cool. Something I like about My Summer as a Goth is that it, you never see films that have positive goth representation, and especially not a rom-com. You know, it's coming of age, 
film mm-hmm. about love and friendship, you, you don't see that often. You generally see negative stereotypes placed on the goth community. So, and that one's also based on the writer-director and um, our other writers' life. Um, they were best friends in high school, and it's loosely based on some of their experiences and their friends, so it, it means a lot to them. A lot of our cast and crew, uh, or a lot of our crew, not as much our cast, but a lot of our cast and crew has looked as either they were goth or they currently are goth. So they have a, an understanding of it. We had a goth consultant, you know, who was giving us advice and who would tell us the accuracy of modern um, gothic culture. And it was, it, it was beautiful getting to, to work on that and to have a positive a positive film for the goth community. We've actually had a few screenings around the country for film festivals, and we've had people who, had, who drove to towns. They were in another state, or they were hours away, and they drove to go see it. Um, like, we went to Santa Fe, and also in Tucson is when we had, um, in Tucson, Arizona is where we had a, a great fan encounter um, I went to the I went to both the Santa Fe and the Tucson um, screenings, and in Tucson, we had a few people in the golf community come up to us and say, "I I drove here a few hours I was from a few hours away, but I've been really wanting to see this film because I've been needing to see a film that has positive representation of me and my community." And thank you so much for being a part of it. And I've had people thank me. My character isn't golf. Um, I'm just going to let everyone know my character never goes goth. Um, I'm the best friend. But what's amazing about my character, Molly, is that she is so supportive of her best friend who does go goth. She's so supportive of her. She, it doesn't, to her, to Molly, it does not matter how Joey represents. It does not matter if Joey ever changes how she represents. Like if she, like suppose being goth doesn't work for Joey, fine. You know, like that doesn't matter. It's about, it's about their friendship and and all of that is what matters, not about how you dress and, and what music you listen to. That, that is what matters. Right. So I think that that's a really positive message for people um, that you don't need to be friends with people and the cliques, you know? You don't need to be, you know, you don't have to be a part of a group to be friends with people. And if your friend is changing how they're representing in that way, it doesn't matter if you're a true friend, you're a true friend. So I yeah. think that's a positive message. Good. Yeah. We need positive messages right now. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so that favorite band of yours right now, <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Who are they? Well, I, while I do, while I do love a lot of music, I would say that currently, my favorite band is Queen. <laughs> okay. I have always been into 70s music. I've always been into 70s music. Um, I would have to literally say the very first band I ever listened to was Carpenters because my mom had the Carpenters Christmas Portrait album playing <laughs> while I was born. Um, and of oh. course, I'm a huge Carpenters fan. Huge Earth, Wind & Fire, as you know. Huge uh, fan of Bach & Turner Overdrive huge fan of so many uh, Chicago um, oh my gosh trying to think of them all you know I just have so many that I love but 
has a very special place in my heart for Queen. And yeah. Uh, also, let's throw in like if I had to pick one that parallels next to it, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Those would be my my top my top two. Okay. <laughs> well, um, yeah, you know there there were a lot of great bands out of the seventies, and a lot of the bands and a lot of their music has um, is still popular. I mean, yeah, I think that's something that's amazing. That's one of the reasons why 70s music is my favorite genre era of music mm-hmm. is because the music is so timeless. You turn on any film, it's likely you're going to hear a song from the 70s. Like we actually were joking during one of the rehearsals for Tough Trip Through Hell. We were joking. We were like, oh, my gosh, we should have played that funky music. You know, at the very <laughs> end, we should have that as we're walking away epically do kind of a Django Unchained moment where we're playing a modern song, um, you know? So it's, it's funny because I think that that's one of the eras that really impacted music and music really had such a great decade. It had such a fire and a passion to it and rock music was rocking and pop and soul and funk and everything was just, everything was just, on fire so good yeah. so yeah I'm definitely I'm definitely a 70s girl like if I had to if I could go back in time yes I would most definitely want to meet all the Bee Gees and I would want to meet Karen Carpenter and mm-hmm. I would want to I would definitely I would definitely try following uh, Queen everywhere they go um, <laughs> I would have loved to have met Freddie Mercury uh um Brian May, I'm a huge Brian May fan. I love wow. all of Queen. Like, I, I love, I love that Brian May, along with being one of the best guitarists in the world, that and also that he makes his own guitars too. He made Red Special. Like the fact that he cracked his own guitars is pretty mind blowing. But also the fact that he was also an astrophysicist, Doctor Brian Harold May, and he also is a huge wildlife ad- advocate. He has a hedgehog rescue. I mean, that's pretty cool to be able to say, <laughs> Brian May, guitarist, astrophysicist, hedgehog rescuer. Yeah, hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all animals, hedgehogs, but I love it. Gosh. Uh, you have opened my mind and opened my eyes again to a lot of things that I had put behind or just forgotten. And, you know, I'm thinking about all the bands of the 70s, the different shows that we've been talking about, and I'm definitely stuck on the, the bands in 70s now because there's like ELO and Sticks and Kiss and Talking Heads and uh, Steely Dan and, yeah. you know, Wild Cherry, all of them. So. Yeah, I love Wild Cherry. I, after, after, recently I was listening to, of course, play that bunch of music, and I said, I wonder you don't always hear about them. I wonder what other songs they released. So, yes, I looked them up and I listened. They don't have very many out on YouTube, but I was so excited to hear some other songs of theirs. And I've heard covers of some of those songs before, so it was cool to to hear those. Yeah. Well, I think the 70s were um, notorious for or well-known for the one-hit wonders, too. <laughs> some music. So. Exactly. But, um, well, uh, it's, gosh, I mean, this has been a great 
conversation, a great show. And it has. I thank, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I, I'm thanking you for really being the guest and really just um, talking to us, talking to all of us and letting us Definitely. know about yourself, your career. There's so much more that I want to talk to you and ask you about, you know, Hollywood. We didn't even get into the the nitty gritty or the right. um, part of Hollywood where you say, ah, well, what are the movie stars like? Is it like this? You know, because there's so right. much. It's still glitter. But I can always come back. Yes. I actually am going to, after, uh, as soon as we're done, I'm actually going to jump into a, a pre-production meeting for, um, for tomorrow. We're interviewing a very famous actress, a very famous screen queen, uh, a modern screen queen. Um, actually, I'll just tell you what it is. Yes. It's Lynn Shea from the Insidious franchise. So, I have to get ready to talk to her tomorrow. That'll be exciting. Oh, I'm like, oh my gosh. gosh, one of the iconic dream queens of the, you know, not only of the 20th century, but of the 21st century. So uh, I'm excited. I'm going to talk to her tomorrow. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing in a few minutes is preparing for that. Exciting. So, so you guys heard it. The lightning hour. You have to go. Um, new shows release every Friday at noon, right? Yes, okay. thank you. Yeah, uh, and please, I would love to have you back on because, again, there's so much to learn from you and just to hear and pick up Hollywood news. Uh, you know, a lot of people, Definitely. they may think about Hollywood, but they don't get the Variety magazine or or they, they want to hear it from somebody who's real. Um, so, yeah, right. I would love to have you back on. Of uh, course. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. You're welcome. Thank you, Rochelle. And have a great night. Thank you. And have a you too. fantastic interview tomorrow. Oh, thank you so much. Uh-huh. Have a great night. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Well, there you have it. Another one in the bag. I hope all of you enjoyed listening to this as much as I enjoyed having a conversation with Rochelle. And please remember, follow, subscribe, spread the word about Open Mic with Chuck Tuck. And again, please, if you can consider supporting the show, please do so. You can do that by dropping that dime in the bucket or just really following me and spreading the word and letting everybody know that you can find Open Mic with Chuck Tuck pretty much on any one of your favorite podcast channels. Okay, so until next time, have a great day. Talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.